Welcome to The Point on WCAI. I'm Steve Junker. It's Friday, August 30th, and this is our weekly news roundup when we discuss some of the top local news stories of the week with colleagues in the print and digital media. Joining me in the studio from the Cape Cod Times is Kristen Young. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, Steve. Kristen, the nonprofit Cape Cod Child Development is closing all its programs. The surprise announcement left parents and employees asking a lot of questions and wondering what's next. And now there's word that a federal audit of the agency will be taking place. Yes, there's really been this resounding question of why Cape Cod Child Development pulled the plug on preschool, after and before school care, and family daycare programs that are licensed by the State Department of Early Education and Care. The agency was already slated to give up its state licenses to operate two preschools on Falmouth and Hyannis. Those closures had been confirmed last week. But officials in charge of Cape Cod Child Development didn't respond to calls from Times reporters this week, but a financial expert who had been hired by the agency confirmed Tuesday that the agency is terminating all of its programs. Um, And this was really was once a really well-respected organization. It served up to 3,000 children and families and had a $13 million budget. It did start to make headlines, though, earlier this year when it lost its long-standing federal contract to operate Head Start programs after investigators found that it had sort of overshot that budget and was wallowing in credit card debt. And meanwhile, key staff and teacher positions were going vacant. We spoke with some employees who wanted to remain remain anonymous this week, and they said there are still children in school um, and, and that these employees weren't really told either in person or through a letter that they may be out of a job or that they are out of a job, that all that they had heard was by word of mouth. Um, Another employee said that the agency sort of took a downturn with the hiring of a new executive director in 2015. That director apparently had no early childhood education experience at all and had started eliminating upper management and teaching positions. Um, She was replaced, however, um, a month after the Office of Head Start made a monitoring visit to Cape Cod Child Development in July of last year, but the agency continued to experience problems. And now, as you mentioned, um, this auditor, auditors from the uh, Inspector General's office are taking a close look at the way that the agency ran that Head Start program. This program serves a real need in the community and families receive vouchers and subsidies to for the educational programs and the child development programs that come through this. What's going to happen to the, these programs that this was administering? So there are several other agencies that have stepped on, to, stepped up to take on on some of these other programs. Social Community Action Council announced Thursday that it will be assuming control of seven child care and preschool preschool programs that were operated by Cape Cod Child Development. And those are in Hyannis, Falmouth, Centerville, West Yarmouth, and Dennisport. So you can really see this. there's a broad reach across the Cape um, of families who, who are involved with this and have children who really rely on these services. Um, Jack Kokio, who's CEO of the Action Council, said he doesn't know really when the transition from Cape Cod Child Development will take place, but the council is working to have con- continuity of care for families and kids who are attending those programs. The Kennedy Donovan Center also announced on Wednesday that that agency has permission from the State Department of Public Health to take on infants and toddlers in the early intervention program, which was previously run by Cape Cod Child Development. And they'll also be assuming some of that staff, some or all of that early intervention staff, according to an official from Kennedy Donovan. Um, The Community Development Institute of Denver is working to restore Head Start programs on the Cape and Islands. The institute took the reins of the local Head Start program on July 1st, and that was a day after Cape Cod Child Development's contract to operate that program ended, which sort of happened after that whole report Mm -hmm. um, um, last year. So. 
Let's talk about Triple E across the Cape. This is the mosquito-borne virus. It's been detected now in Truro after being found in two other towns on the Cape. Public health officials are urging people to remain vigilant about avoiding mosquito bites. And this all comes after a Fairhaven woman died of the virus, apparently, over the weekend. Yes. So this mosquito sampling taken at the Cape Cod National Seashore tested positive for eastern equine encephalitis. And that makes it the first time that that virus has been detected in Truro. The sample was taken August 22nd at at Head of the Meadow. Um, And the disease was actually found in a species of mosquito that's deemed to be pretty aggressive. It bites animals and humids and feeds from dawn to dusk. Falmouth was the first town on the Cape Harbor to have mosquitoes test positive for EE this summer. And the virus there showed up in seven pools of insects collected in Woods Hole and Falmouth Center. The town did some truck-mounted spraying um, a week or two ago that seems to have worked pretty well. There have been no infected mosquitoes that have been found since that time. Um, Also, EE had been found in a pool of mosquitoes collected on August 13th in Bourne. And these mosquitoes are rare on the Cape. EE has only been found here in mosquitoes. Um, four other times in the past two decades, and that was in Dennis and Barnstable in 2006 and in Brewster in 2012 and Yarmouth in 2016. This year, though, has really proven kind of prolific for these infested mosquitoes. EEE has been found in 376 pools of mosquitoes around the state, compared with just two positive samples last year. Mm. Um, And, and, you know, it's it's not it's it's a pretty serious disease. Uh, The Department of Public Health now considers dozens of Massachusetts towns to be at critical or high risk of EEE, which has a 50 percent mortality rate in the state. And those who do survive generally have lifelong neurological symptoms in every Cape on every town on the Cape, though, is considered at low risk, except for Falmouth, Bourne, and Truro, where the department has deemed that there's a moderate risk. So far this summer, four people have been stricken by the virus. One of them was 59 year old Lori Sylvia of Fairhaven. She died on Sunday, and that's the first time a Massachusetts resident has died of the virus since 2012. There has never been a case of human infection here on Cape Cod, though. Um, and it, the officials are saying that mosquito populations are starting to decline with cooler weather, but still. Still, with this prevalence of the disease, there's a higher likelihood now than ever that a mosquito you see out there could be carrying that disease. So they're warning people to still take some precautions. Uh, that means wearing an EPA-approved mosquito repellent for outdoor activities. They also say if you're engaging in outdoor activities during those high-risk times, sort of in the evening or the early morning, you might want to reschedule that to a time when there are less likely to be mosquitoes outside. And this mosquito threat kind of lingers now until the first frost is what they say. So it's even as the weather is getting a little bit cooler, we still need to be vigilant. That's right. Um, the towns of Dennis and Yarmouth, uh, they could soon be signing off on a new school agreement. Anyone who follows this local news and the news roundup knows that it's been a fraught uh, journey to this point and at times quite an acrimonious journey. That's right. This has been a long time coming. Um, now these two special town meetings might solidify these two major changes to the Dennis Yarmouth Regional School District's regional agreement. And that has been a source of heated dispute between the partner towns for years, if not decades. Um, it, all of this is sort of coming to a head in what seemed like very quick votes. There was a meeting that lasted just 16 minutes on Monday of the DY school committee. Just 16 just minutes. Just 16 minutes. It was called. I think that was the only, there might have been one other thing on the agenda. It was super fast. The committee voted unanimously to approve language for an article that would make two revisions to the regional agreement and request that the article be placed on the warrants for special town meetings to be held on October 29th. They'll both be held um, on the same day. And then minutes later, in the same room, the Dennis 
Dennis Board of Selectmen opened its own meeting and uh, voted to place the article on the warrant and to recommend it to voters. Yarmouth Board of Selectmen did the same thing separately on Tuesday. This was because they had already agreed on on pretty much everything that was here, right? That's right. The content of those updates had been stipulated in a settlement agreement reached by both towns and the school district last month. That settlement had resolved a lawsuit filed in February by the town of Yarmouth that contended that the school district didn't have the authority to bypass town meeting action when it sought to get approval for this new $117, I'm sorry, $170 million, million, that's a big difference, regional middle school last year. Um, But people are saying, you know, the the approval method wasn't really the point of the lawsuit here, that the real reason Yarmouth filed suit was because of the inability of the towns to get this regional agreement updated. So the fact that they're doing so now is, is a pretty big deal. The settlement agreement stipulated that both boards of selectmen need to advocate for these two changes, which will kind of shift the the amount that Dennis pays. It will actually require Dennis to pay a little bit more for annual school operating costs by calling on that town to change the way uh, enrollment is counted. So it kind of is a more accurate reflection of how much Dennis really owes. Uh, the other major change here calls on Dennis to pay for more of construction of the new school. It would boost its share from about 29%, which is what it would owe under the current agreement to 35 Mm percent. And when you you consider that it is a $117 million project, those few percentage points really do add up. Yarmouth's uh, share would come down from about 70 percent down to 65 percent. And in return for this, this, uh, these updates, um, which still have to be approved by town meeting and they still have to be approved by the state uh, Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, Yarmouth did, in fact, drop that lawsuit against the new school. And and so now it's, it's much more likely that the school will get to be built it will still qualify for this $44.3 million Which was a big deal. There was $44 million from the state sitting out there that they had to sign this agreement, and it came down to the last few it- hours to, to negotiate these details. Yes, this settlement happened literally hours before a state deadline for resolving the lawsuit. And and if it hadn't been resolved, then uh, the district would have lost out on this $44.3 million reimbursement. Things aren't quite in the clear yet, though. There is another lawsuit out there that's been filed. Uh, I was going to ask you, this is from residents of Yarmouth. Yes, yes, from two Yarmouth residents. It contends a lot of the same things that are in the uh, that were in Yarmouth's lawsuit as well, saying that the school district didn't have the authority to bypass town meeting action. Um, however, the, the state school building authority has said that they're going to stick by the district and they will be still in the running to receive this $44.3 million reimbursement. The project's just on hold until that litigation plays out. And and now the feeling in, in the towns, everybody's just waiting for this town meetings to go by and they can like put a check mark next to all of this. Yes. Yeah, it does still have to get passed in both towns, uh, you know, and you never really know what could happen. I think there have been a lot of parents who've come out in, in support of these changes and saying we need to move on from some of these uh, disagreements that we've had in the past and that this is all, you know, for the good of the children. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see. Wait and see. Dennis and Yarmouth are also involved in a potential three-way collaboration, this time with Harwich, over wastewater. And it's a big issue that every Cape Town has to grapple with. These three towns are getting closer, it sounds like, to an agreement uh, on a three-way collaborative to deal with their wastewater. Yeah, so this is something these three towns have been working on for about three years now. Um, And there's a big push to get them to work together on this project for treating wastewater because it could stand to save the towns about a combined $70 million over each installing their own individual wastewater treatment plant. And what this plan would do is 
it would take uh, wastewater from all three towns and it would treat it at a central plant in South Dennis. Uh, the towns themselves would be responsible for paying for their own collection systems, but the savings really comes in on the plant itself. Rather than having three plants, you only have one. They'll also save millions each year, supposedly, in, in, in annual operating costs of the plant. Um, there'd been a big push to try to get this done uh, and approved in time for a fall town meeting, but uh, in respective meetings on Monday and Tuesday, the Harwich and Yarmouth boards of selectmen discussed whether to put that article that would actually create the partnership on the town meeting warrants. And there was some hesitation there. Uh, and Harwich Selectman Chairman Larry Ballantine said that Harwich just isn't quite ready for that yet, that they haven't had a lot of the public meetings that are necessary to move this forward, that there are still some questions on costs. And those costs have been kind of a moving target. It's still mm-hmm. unclear what exactly that would mean. Um, and well, <clears throat> there is some legislation ongoing that would create this partnership that passed the House of Representatives ahead of schedule last week. This has to be approved by the state. Yes, Not yeah. just the towns individually, but then this compact, this three-way compact, has to be approved by the state. Exactly. This has to go through law to even allow the towns uh, to make an agreement. What would happen is this bill would create this entity. Um, it would give it uh, authority to tax, actually, to you know to, to spend in money and incur debt. And um, what the agreement itself, not the legislation, would dictate kind of how that partnership works how each town contributes, what its percentage is, and how they'd be represented on this. So the towns get to decide how the agreement works, but it it has to be incorporated by the state or enabled by the state. Exactly. And there's a question on whether that legislation would even be ready in time for a set of fall town meetings. Um, It did pass through the House ahead of schedule, but it resides with the Senate now. And the thought is that maybe there's a chance that this legislation could come through by early October. These town meetings, though, would be scheduled for October 29th. So you know, if there was any sort of delay or things didn't move as quickly as they're hoping, that could create some real problems because the towns wouldn't be allowed to vote on the agreement until the actual bill is in place. And not only that, as you were pointing out earlier, there's a feeling among the towns that there's some more education that has to be done here for the citizens, for for people to understand what this is about and why they should be voting for it or what the questions are to, to raise around this. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of the selectmen in both towns still didn't even know themselves exactly what these costs would be and how this would really would really work. In Yarmouth, there were new calculations that reflect the potential build-out of businesses along Route 28. And that pushed uh, the amount that Yarmouth was expected to uh, send to the plant, um, which pushed its costs from about $113 million to $126 million. And that's just for the first phase. Town Administrator Daniel Kanapik said that those aren't developments that are good to occur so late in the game, so close to this town meeting. In Harwich, uh, which would contribute just about 15% of the plant's flow, the price of installing the pipes, though, to get the sewage to Dennis would bring the total cost of involvement for that town to about $270 million. Uh, it's, it's a big but, project. But right, when you point out these numbers, you were talking about a $70 million savings and $270 million, but the whole project could be a billion-dollar yeah, project. Yeah, and it would take about 40 years to implement. So we're not talking about, you know, a, a small a small town project this is something that's bigger than most of these towns have ever seen individually but, but the towns actually are obligated they're obliged to do something about their wastewater here this isn't just sort of being proactive for the sake of doing something good this is the state is holding them to account here right that's right there's so there the towns are as they're working on this joint effort they're also each working on their own sort of go it alone strategies and that's because doing
doing nothing is not an option. Um, Cape communities have been directed by the Department of Environmental Protection to participate in what's known the as DEP, the, 20, yes. yeah, the 208 plan. And that mandates towns to work together uh, to find cost-effective solutions for dealing with water quality issues. And if they don't act, the department could actually require individual homeowners to install enhanced treatment systems for septic systems. Litigation is also another possibility if towns don't comply. This is the News Roundup. I'm Steve Junker. With us from the Cape Cod Times has been Kristen Young. Kristen, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Steve.